You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, they get to him, oh, he takes off running, and he's in, touchdown Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Back as we dive fin too deep. As always, I'm your host, Reason, joined by my other host, Neil Driscoll. You can follow both of us on Twitter. You can find Neil at Neil Driscoll, and you can follow myself on Twitter at the underscore real underscore reason. Neil, the Dolphins, they won five, and I'm feeling alive. I don't care if it was over Glennon. I don't care if it was always Gandhi. I don't care if it was over John Lennon. Don't matter to me as long as we come away with the dub. 20 to 9 victory. Um, I think we can both agree. I actually gave to his, you know, when I did my film breakdown this week, I gave him a B plus. Um, I, you know, he was obviously deadly accurate for the most part, but there were a couple throws he was off on. Now, should those throws have been catched? I mean, sorry, caught. We'll we'll talk about that because I think we'll both agree that Kaseki and Waddle and um, you know, some of those should have been caught. We'll talk about that, but um Neil, I know you're not over here doing no five finger pour, <laughs> but I know you probably had five shots. Um, how is um, how is everything going with you, and how are you feeling? Because I know you're like me. There's an extra pep in your step, and the sun shines a little bit brighter when the Dolphins are winning. Yeah, to quote the great Will Ferrell, we're going streaking right to the through the quad to the gymnasium. I mean, like you know, I, I'll never be upset about a win. I don't care who's on the schedule. We lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. So like for teams, like, like for, you know, teams to win five in a row in the NFL where there's a lot of parody and especially in 2021, where there is not a lot of teams that are standing out, right? Like you, you look around, look at the AFC, look at the cluster from, you know, where the dolphins are at six and seven, all the way up to the eight, the number one seed has the eight and four right now. So winning five games in a row is nothing to sneeze at. Um, you know, the level of competition, you know, the Giants have actually been playing really well on the defensive side of ball of the ball heading into this week. Yeah, 17th it's, passing defense heading in. Yeah, I mean, you know, middle of the pack pass defense. They have some good players that, you know, that play along that defensive front. Dude, Aaron Robertson from UCF put up a fantastic now I know he's an Alabama transfer rookie this year. He sure. was really good for them against us. I don't know if you noticed him. Oh, yeah. Open fans don't know he was the guy with the dreads that was in a lot of coverage areas. And James Bradbury, he is nothing to sniff at either, right? Yeah, and and I'm going to actually go a little bit Xavier back. McKinney was all over the place too, my dad. Sorry. I yeah, you know, they, have some, they have some good players. I, yeah. You know, I, I – The secondary is good, bro. Even without a Dory Jackson, the secondary is still pretty good. Yeah, let, let's start with the bad because I think that I want to spend a lot more time on the good. Mm -hmm. and, and looking at my notes, there was three things that really stood out for me. And we can start with Mike Gesicki. I, I think it was his worst game as a Dolphin. It's not Ravens um, game, Neil. I don't know what's going on. Him and Jason Sanders need to go see a sports therapist. I don't know. Well, look, doing. there's something interesting going on where Durham Smythe is, has slowly become the primary tight end, yeah. uh, meaning he's on the field as much or more. And I know he's a better block. Yeah, snap count is like neck and neck. But I, I, I honestly am at a point where I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that the Dolphins are bringing back Mike Gesicki next Yeah, but year. do you see what they're able to do? Okay, listen. With this short passing um, offense, you see what they're able to do with Durham Smythe? What they can't do with Gasecki, they can engage him or have him chip and then disengage and leak out. And all of a sudden, he becomes an outlet for Tua. They can't do that with Gasecki because A, he doesn't put in the effort on the initial engagement or the chip. And B, no one's buying what you're selling that Gasecki's not out there for a pass. Like, that's the problem. Gasecki shows your hand because of his lack of assertiveness as a blocker like that's what that's the reality of it man right and and that's you know we, we know that he's he's not gonna you know confuse anyone with like george kittle as a blocker no. and 
Boyle from Baltimore. At least give me competent, bro, where I can involve you in these packages. But I don't expect a, a perfectly placed football to hit him in the face mask and not catch, not, not because of a touchdown, which we saw, uh, you know, to, to and, that, and, and that I, was tough. And there yeah. was more than that. I mean, he looked frustrated. Mm-hmm. He didn't look like he was in the game. Like his mojo was off. Then he got up and started spiking his ball and doing his little dances. Yeah. Like, I, look, I'm a Mike Gusecki fan. I can't believe he dropped that throw over the middle. I know Tua's that ball placement could have been a little bit better and it was the right read by Tua. But Man, you're not like we just uh, stated. You're not a good blocker. You're sure as hell not a very good route runner. And you're yeah. not going to give me the high point catch now, and then you're not going to give me the end zone catch too. Especially in a game where we were death by a thousand cuts, and you need to get take the chunk plays when they approach when when they present themselves, and and, and he doesn't come down like. Come yeah, on, man. I like I, I do think this. I think coming down the stretch of the season that he's going to be a key player and he's going to write. He's got to go from Mike Gesecki to Mike Getsecki because it's <laughs> got to happen. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. I've had this conversation with a couple people, a couple football minds I really, really trust. If it doesn't happen in the next, what? Okay, not including the bye after the bye, obviously. If it doesn't happen in the three games following the bye, it's sure as hell going to happen in the final week of the season. Some team is going to take away Jalen Waddle And Gesicki, you got to get your head in the game because when that happens, it's going to be on you to step up and show that, hey, you want to take him away? Cool. I can become the guy that gets... 10, 11, 12 targets, and I can get 9, 10 catches for 115 yards and a dub or two and a tub or two out of that. It's going to be when he gets taken away because we can't rely on Fuller and we can't rely on Parker to even be there. It's going to be on Gesicki to step up and show that I can I can take on that volume and I can make them regret taking away Jalen and giving me less attention. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, the thing he does well is high point footballs, and and he should be. I'm not you know, getting that right now, Neil. Well, that's what I'm saying, and, and he's got to be reliable in the red zone. That 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 is where you know when you have it. I want to make a one handed catch, two Perfect. yards behind the line of scrimmage. What are are we are we serious? Right, hey, bro, it was impressive as hell that snag. I ain't taking, bro. Everyone in their mama knew in the stadium. Those are the ones you let go by, you Gesicki. Right. Like, so you don't that, catch that one, especially on an offense that can't run the football. We can't afford to lose two yards. Well, look, and let's be honest. Like, you know, Tua's ascending. Waddle's playing great. But this offense is anemic for two oh, quarters every week. Oh, so Listen, those listen, those are the – I'm going to tell you right now. I talked to David Fronis today, and that interview will be up tomorrow from the Sun Sentinel and, uh, on Finside the NFL. Um, and listen, my friend. This offense is literally relying on Jalen Waddle and Tua Tungvaloa to take whatever it can. And yet, we just saw Mac Jones throw three times. And it wasn't just – people get it twisted. It wasn't just the rushing game that complemented that defense. The offensive line was complemented that, de- that defense. And we can't get our – off. we can't – Never mind having the run game and the offensive line complement our defense. We can't get one of those units to complement our defense. It's only Tua and whatever receivers are working with him that day. Yep. No. Here are you, man, for sure. Well, so, you know, Kaseki got to right the ship. Got to get back on track. Need you. You're one of the best playbookers on this team. You got to prove it. The second thing I really noticed that, that it, it, it's disappointing. I, I like some of the players. But, man, our running backs can't fight for yards. They go down on oh. initial contact. Every single time, and Miles Gaskin is a is a good supporting running back, right? But his vision at times is just god awful. And I know our offensive line is not doing them any favors, no. but like I know we talk about the needs heading in the offseason, and offensive line gets a lot of the you know, yeah. rightfully so, gets a lot of the attention. This team needs a bell cow running back. You don't it, an argument for me. It, it it does, and I and I and I'm okay with passing on Javante Williams for Javon Holland, and I'm okay passing on Najee Harris for Jalen Phillips. Right? I'm not okay on on passing on my running back one, Jonathan Taylor from that draft class for Noah inactivity. But I I think this. I honestly think the help on the way is that 
when we play the Jets, I think Philip Lindsay's going to cement himself as the primary running back for the rest of the season. I, I think he runs harder. Neil, you would have a shot to as long as yeah. you fell forward, you had to have a shot. That's the main problem. That's why when people say, "Oh, you I, okay? You had Jonathan Taylor as running back one. Okay, you're great." Blah 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 blah. But what would he do behind this offensive line? Well, here's the issue. You there's actually a statistic that could help you gauge what he might be able to do. Right now, not only are the 32nd team in yards per carry, not only the 32nd team in yards per game rushing, we are also one of the te- worst teams in the NFL in yards after contact rushing the football. Yeah, and Gaskin and Ahmed, bro, they go down. You know, they go down like the straw house. The Big bad wolf blew down. You know what I mean with the little. No, they do. It, it, it's it was alarming on Sunday. I I was just watching like arm tackles just bring them down, just getting ragged out. The other thing too. Remember on that sack, Tua took Gaskin whiffed on the block. Well, and, and that's why and that was Philip Lindsay. At least we know he's picking it up. Well, and that's why I think that he's going to be the guy. It's not just the his running style. Yeah. First of all, I think he's more explosive than yeah. And Ackman's well, got he is. oh, he is. Ahmed has better speed, but there's a difference between speed. And, and Ahmed and Gaskin are better receivers than Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. But Lindsay's gonna—I'm telling you—he's gonna break a couple big ones against. Oh, bro, the dude, his work ethic and his ability—they don't stand a chance, bro. He's an actual. Here's the problem. Now we've actually brought in a because with with the holes with this running with this run offense. If they're open, they're only going to be you got to be quick and hit them. Yep. And you see Ahmed, that's why Ahmed and Gaskin, they they get most of their yardage outside of the tackles because they're not very they're not as decisive runners and uh, visionaries, you know, they don't have the same vision that Philip Lindsay has. Yeah, and so so I I don't like, you know, there's a lot of running backs that I, I like in the draft. There's yeah. not a lot that I like in free agency. The one move that oh, I your boy, by the way, I looked into him heavy. You Zach Charbonnet he's in my top five, bro. Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big I'm fan. Fine. Listen, I'm fine. I because okay, the hill I'm gonna die on. Get ready for draft season. I'm sorry. I am absolutely in love with Kyron Williams, bro. Oh, I, I love him too, man. And, and I think that you could still draft a guy like that. But you know what I think to solve the riddle of the running back, um, the problem, the first call they should make is to the Jacksonville Jags and say, what what do you need from us for James Robinson? I was talking about this in the last offseason. I was posing it on Finside the NFL. That was because I had heard the rumblings early on that Urban Meyer wasn't a fan. And then when they drafted Travis Etienne, that's when I really stepped it up and was like, you need to be calling these guys. And now oh. this has worked out, man. I mean, I'll, hey, I'll, I'll pay for the Uber and for them to pack his bags, bro. Right. Like, what, I mean, is it a third round pick we're talking about? I mean, yeah. is that what? Is that what we're I talking? Don't know about? What the disconnect is there? Because even, but the thing is, I don't know if you saw Trevor Lawrence came out uh, either today or yesterday, and he, I guess, he vocalized to the coaching staff that this guy's one of the best players on our team. He needs to be playing. Well, if it's not him, the guy that I want, and I hope he shakes free, is Gus Edwards in Baltimore. And I think you could draft a guy like Kyron Williams, who's who, who's a more of a, a little bit more of a explosive pass. My catching. thing is Kyron Williams. I think because I think he's the best all around back in this draft. I think his stock is going to raise, and I think he's going to go at the top of the second. Yeah, he's he's Based he's off current trends. He's a great blocker, bro. Have you watched this guy block? Oh like, yeah, he, he's my run. He's my RB four, man. So like, I mean, my top five. Top three. Give me your top three. It's Isaiah Spiller one. Yeah. It's Max Charbonnet two. It's Kenneth Walker three. Kyron Williams four, and Brees Hall five. Whoa! We need a hot take alert. Where's the hot take alert? Hot take alert. And then, and then I'll call I, that. Five. Ooh. A guy who I really, really like that I think is probably a fourth or fifth round pick is Brian Robinson from Alabama. Yeah, I like him too. But I the real, the real Robinson comes out next year, my friend. Oh um, yeah, but yeah. But I think right now, when I check my big board, it's sitting at I got Brees at one. 
which but Isaiah might jump him because I'm a huge Isaiah Spiller guy. I love Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like so like I did this with Devontae Smith and Waddle last year. I started off as Devontae. By the end of it, I said, That's yo, it's Waddle. Player. It's okay to have some pay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know. So I got Brees one. I got and I but he had a bad season this year. I got Isaiah two, and I'm really impressed with what Isaiah did this year with when they lost their quarterback over there in Texas AM. I think he's solid. And he ran um, on Bama. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, yeah. And then I have Kyron Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going with you. Okay. I'm going Isaiah Spiller one. I'm making the change right here. Isaiah Sp- Spiller at one. I'll go Brees two. Um, they're really one, a one B to me though. Yeah, um, Spiller was the guy I would love. Um, to get and then I'm going to, and then I got that. I got Williams as RB three. Then I have, um, Kenneth, uh, Kenneth, um, uh, Walker at, at four. And then I got your boy after I walked him. So we got Walker the same guys. And they had five. Yeah. I mean, My we'll- thing with what knocked me down with Walker. Cause I actually originally had him at three and what knocked him down was, and I was actually watching your boy and I was even considering knock him down further. I don't think we would draft him because of his lack of pass blocking ability. Dante Colinelli made that point on my show and I agree with 110% with him. Yeah, no, and and that's that that's all. They're all fair points. Like, and that's why you know, like, I'll be honest. I'm at the point of the year where I've not looked at the guys that aren't on my top ten. So I haven't looked at like you know Charles Williams from UNLV closely or Ronnie Rivers from Fresno State. Like, I'm focusing on on the top of my board. I know one guy that I'm going to like a lot when I dig in is Amir White from Georgia. Yeah, I like, I like him. Like I'm gonna him. like James Cook too. I think he does a lot of nice things. Um, you know, I don't know what Max Borgie's deal is coming to Washington. Um, State. I actually <laughs> quietly, I I actually wanted him to come out last year. I'm quietly like, like he reminds me of like a a po- very poor man's version of Christian McCaffrey. It's hilarious, right? Yeah, and, and then yeah. you know, um, there's a guy. It's, I love Abraham Lucas. That's how I found him. Oh hell yeah, he's a great player. But Rashad White from Arizona State is a mm-hmm. like Kenyan Drake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, he could be a guy that you get in the middle of the round. He just declared play. too, right? Yeah, I think he did declare. Yeah. So you know, yeah. so the running back position is going to be great. Can't wait. You know, I'll, here's my third negative takeaway from the game, and and it's a trend, and it's alarming because I know we're going to need this guy down the stretch. It's Jason Sanders. Yeah, what the hell has happened to Jason Sanders? And I don't know if it's okay to regurgitate Crow, but I was very critical on Jason Sanders for a few years. And last year, you know, I took the lap eating crow. Everybody on Twitter was like, "Look, Neil, ha ha ha." No, you look. You should have held out, my friend. Yeah, well, you know what though? You know, he had a he had a brilliant All Pro season. Yeah. Did, I have no faith in him anymore, and I hope we can get it right because I because we're 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 connected and invested in him. But like, imagine us playing New England. We're down by two. We have a chance to kick the game winner, and he pushes a 46-yarder left, and we don't make the playoffs. Dude, listen, and that's exactly the point I've made on my post games on Finside the NFL. That's what – I don't think it's going to come down to a two-interception or something like that. I think it's going to come down to a Jason Sanders field goal. Like you saw last week in my prediction, I was even weighing him into my score prediction. You know what I mean? Because I expect it now. Like, you know, last year, he earned the rep for me. I used to call him, uh, you know – you know, I got I got special uh, you know gifts in the chat from my Finside the NFL um, channel members for Jason Sanders because I had a meme made up. You know, I I I had his face and if you know his face put on uh, the Colonel Colonel Sanders and I had the a bucket of chicken replaced with a football and you know the Colonel Sanders finger kicking good and this year he has totally. I mean, he's not even middle of the pack right now. I mean, he's, you know, I was facetious at first, but I'm actually going to be serious now. Might be time for him to get the Braden Holpe treatment where he goes and sees a sports therapist because <laughs> clearly something's not going on right now. Um, is it four games in a row where he's missed a kick at some level, okay, whether it be so a field goal or extra point? This is what people have, have made on my channel. I want to run by this to you. People brought this up. Shout out to some of my listeners who have brought this up in the comment section and when they come up um, to voice their opinion. They said, "Is it because Matt Hack?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I and I think it was Tara, um, and she's she's you know a diehard Dolphins fan that I, I talk with. She was the first person that I saw mention it to me, and, yeah. and you know what? I, and, and God, how did Michael Polardi ever win a FC Special Players of the Week? I mean, he did have a good game, but like, good lord, screw you, uh, TJ, well, for just outdoing Jalen Phillips this week. 
Right. Well, I'll say this, though. Like, Michael Pilardi, as bad as he's been at times this year, has been a better special teams player than Jason Sanders. And, I, I mean, I, I know we're going to need him. And I hope he can get his confidence back because he he's even making shorter kicks look scary. I mean, the kicks he's even making are very close. I mean, we'll see. I, I mean – I think the best part, though, about this game is I just named my three negatives of the game, and it wasn't Austin Jackson, Jesse Davis, and the offensive line, right? Thank like, you. send your thank you cards to, to a PO box, you know right? What I mean, Don Shula Drive, and then let's flip it back to the other side, and I'm going to go backwards on the good because I want to spend the most time on the most polarizing topic as Dolphins fans. But I'll say this. I wish we had some secret potion that we could sprinkle on Devontae Parker, man, because when he plays, he's fun yeah. to watch. He's reliable. And I the mean, chemistry they, they put on display together. Tua likes him, man. And that that is shout weird. out to Nick Hicks. Yeah, Tua likes him. That th- th- those throws by Tua, first of all, were beautiful. Uh, but money, big boy. The way Parker contorted his body, got his toes in, like God, if, if we can get on like, that guy. That's what I'm saying. Like don't you see the confidence and trust is reciprocated? Like to a trust, if I throw to this spot, he's going to make the catch. DVP trust, if he throws to this spot, I'm going to make the catch. Like they, you know, I know, you know, when I talked to Nick Hicks, he told me, you know, Matt Collins was there, never missed a perform schedule, uh, you know, training session with Tua, but, you know, he, he was the top guy with it. But DVP was right there. DVP and him built on something. If DVP could. If DVP would have been able to stay healthy this year, he would have got paid thanks to Tua. Yeah, but he he we have him under contract. And we're going to need you for the Patriots game, my friend. Well, he's a Patriots killer. And, yeah, and I love that step on Gilmore now. But I, I'll say this. He's only $9 million against the cap. So I, I you talk about going back and forth or something. I, I, I mean, I change on him. Now, what I do like about him is. The thing is, you, get, you pay him fucking. Sorry, I apologize for the language there. You pay him like. A million, two two million a game by the time the season's done. Right. Yeah, you're right. No, but he did come out to two his defense after Logan Ryan ran his. I love it, and I love that. And I and I like a guy who's got a little bit of dog in him. And you know, Logan Ryan. I, I like. Let's I gotta swear one more time. Fuck Logan Ryan. Yeah, I'm not gonna spend any time addressing it because that's just sour yeah, grapes yeah. for losing, dude. That like, quarterback beat you. You know, okay. You know what's the best thing apart about it was Neil. You know me. I do my video breakdown every week, right? And you know how many times. All of the deep throws beyond the sticks, Logan Ryan was right either right in the vicinity of or right next to the play or involved in the play. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, my theory is that he's butthurt that the Brian Flores didn't want to. If you remember, Flores was his coach in New England, they were interested, they had him in for a visit, and the Dolphins passed on signing him. So, I thought he, I think he was butthurt about that. And he had to go to Tennessee where he was a complete disaster and they moved on from him. And now he's at another losing organization. You know, so when he was the number four cornerback in New England, he looked good at times. But ever since that, his career has been nothing but mediocre at best. So we'll move on and not waste our time. But let's talk about great cornerbacks. Um, Xavier Howard is honestly, the best player on this defense. Xavier Howard is Javon Holland. I, I would say this. Xavier Howard, I never thought I'd utter these words, but I think he's actually better than Sam Madison and Patrick Sertain. He is. What do you mean he's the best? Okay, since I've been a Dolphin fan and I was born in 85, and one of the first pictures of me you can find is my dad holding me, and he's in his Merino jersey. So I was born in this. So I consider myself a Dolphin fan since birth. Xavier Howard's the best cornerback I've ever seen. On, yeah. Wear, I mean, wear a Dolphin's uniform. And, and I'll take it a step further, and I said this at the midseason show that you had, and I know I got a lot of like chuckles when I said this. I think he's the best defensive playmaker in the secondary since Ed Reed. And – I agree his, with that. Yo, that's I don't think his, that's that been for me. His ball skills are insane. That ball when it was in the air, I was like, is that gonna be a touchdown? His recovery speed, he high pointed the football. I, I I'm not joking. Find a freaking red zone package for that dude. Like yeah, bro. I, I mean, Howard. And you see ball- how like him and 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 Holland are such on the same page of ball hawk that like oh. There's multiple times where they're winding up at the same spot and they don't get the interception we're, because of each other. Like, we're going to get into Javon Holland in a second because I think we're and I think if every week we do this, there's going to be three guys. Did you hear what Howard? Now I've always thought Holland. They love each other, which is cool to see. I've always thought Holland is Ed Reed with the blitzing ability of Troy Polamalu. 
way better yeah. hitter than two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like someone actually today I saw him compare him to Sean said he's the best safety I've seen since Sean Taylor. He reminds me of Sean Taylor, but I don't know if you saw what uh Howard said. He said uh Holland reminds him of Eric Berry, and I loved Eric Berry before oh. the injuries started piling up. That guy was a top three safety in the NFL, and then the injuries happened. I know he had the illness and then the Physical injuries happened. That guy was a monster. And Holland almost had another pick. But, yeah, Xavier Howard, we're talking special. I, I think he has two more years after this season of elite level you football. they bring him back? I, I think they have to. And and the thing is, I think they, they mended it. The Dolphins paid him. It's clear he wants to be here. Like, I, I, I don't know the details of it, but Baltimore offered a one and X. Let me ask you this. So, do, you, do you see them potentially drafting a corner if – like a Caleb Farley like slide happens to them. I think I'll say this. I think the Dolphins are always suspects to draft corners. It's Brian Flores' mo, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, we all know that Noah Igbenogany is not going to pan out. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm wondering that. Well, Needham, Needham's a restricted free agent, and Justin Coleman's unrestricted. Well, I know last year they loved Asante Samuel Jr., and I know they were they were looking into a lot of like second, third round corners last year, and they didn't pull the trigger, obviously. Right, and, and that's the thing. The Dolphins are always going to be looking at defensive backs. Like I honestly think that they'll be on the safety market again. Um, you know, next year probably uh, later in the draft. They like to find Did people. Kyle Hamilton fell to us. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, and you pair him with Holland, and then Byron Jones. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Xavier Howard. Oh my god. I mean, bro. look. I you asked me five weeks ago if I would trade X after the season, and I said yes. Well, I'm an idiot because I wouldn't Correct. do it at all. Now I'm taking that back. Xavier Howard is a game changer. He literally won us games this year. Well, like the whole games, uh... at that point of the game when he made that pick, we did not have momentum on our side, and he totally flipped the script. I mean, that, I mean, I he's X, he's a sensational. But you know, my favorite story of this season, even over what the guy who's going to be the number one takeaway from this game is this 2021 rookie class, man, because I'll, I'll say this. Being a Dolphins fan and being an NFL draft thing haven't always correlated to a good thing yeah. for me, right? Like, I, I, think, I think within, you know, if you were to ask me prior to the Larry M. Tunsil xavier Howard draft, I would have thought the Dolphins are one of the worst drafting teams, that they always draft guys that I don't want, um, you know, like they have C-minus drafts. They don't find superstars. I legitimately think they found three bona fide superstars in this draft. And, and like him or not, and he's definitely struggled. Look, Liam Eichenberg has been a starting offensive tackle as a true rookie. And, and that that means something, right? You're drafting starters, and three of them are superstars. Because you've got to remember, we've had players like Deion Jordan, Charles Harris, that could never even. Liam Eichenberg might be there, bro. Yeah, that have never cracked the starting lineup. So let's start with Jalen Waddle. I, I, I think Jalen Waddle is going to be a top five receiver. You think he breaks Anquan Bolden's? Uh, I, I think he will, and, and I think he's the best of all. The, does that give him a chance to win Rookie of the Year if he breaks that record? You think? No, I, I honestly think they're going to give it to Mac Jones, man. Even after that three pass performance, you you know this, man. None of that matters. They got a story they want to tell. It's all fixed. Like you know, like you can't tell me that if you watch football this year that TJ Watt doesn't deserve MVP. Xavier Howard for defensive player of the year last year got three votes. Like how the hell did that happen? Right? Like, so I, I don't know, man. I, I would say that Waddle though is so sensational. What he's doing. Like, for, I don't know, for, man. If we go in and we beat them in the final week of the season. Well, I'll tell you this, man. I don't think either of us had the expectation that we'd be heading into what we have four games left and freaking Jalen Waddle is at 850-some yards. Like, that is incredible. Yeah, I was on record. I didn't think he'd reach 1,000. Just because we had Jacoby Brissett starting for us for four games. No, not only that. We haven't had anyone come close to um, Ch Chambers, really, right? Yeah, I, I, Waddle is just on a different level. He is he's a, a wide receiver one already, bro. Now, he scares the shit out of me. Good for the brand because, I mean, why he was my wide receiver one. Jalen Phillips was my edge too, just because I didn't know about Ojolari's combine check. And I even said that in my evaluation on my big board. If they both were either healthy or had the same health concerns, Phillips would have been my number one guy. I literally said that and thank God I did. Um, and then Javon Holland, I've been talking about him since 2019, since I've been watching 
Justin, since I was watching Justin Herbert really like closely because of the draft class coming up for us. Right. And, you know, I think Javon Holland, dude, when I watched him at Oregon, they used him on the boundary. They used him in the slot. They used him in the box. They used him single high. I mean, I, I, I was a huge guy like Travon. It was between him and Travon Morig and Javon Holland, man, like this draft has been good for the brand for me. I mean, I think I'm going to hit on Tua. I'm pretty sure I've hit on Raekwon Davis. Um, I think Robert Hunt's going to be a hit. You know what I mean? I called Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg as bad draft picks. They were my OT10s, and they sure look like they're around there. Um, I was high on Curtis Weaver. That got kind of blown up in my face. Yeah. Uh, but I did call it. You know, I called us drafting Curtis Weaver. Um, so I think this draft class, you know, I wanted Quinn Miners. You know, it hurt watching... Hunter Long at his first reception of the season while Miners is opening up holes for Javante Williams to you know what run, though, like, like oh we're in the opening credits of the movie, man. Hunter Long, I really do think is gonna develop into a good Yeah, but player. I think Quinn, like we need and how badly and you know what the worst part of it is, Neil? Eric Studesville went to Whitewater, Wisconsin. Yeah. Well no one I, should have had a better scouting report on what this kid was. And if you've ever I you know, I, I don't know if you know, but I did an interview with him. And if you go and you watch the interview, he talks about how he, bro, he truly believed we were about to draft him. He was on a podcast the night before I, 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 uh, I, I, I interviewed him and he told the podcast, they asked him, where do you think you're going to be, you know, living? He's like, I think I'm going to be living in South Florida. Wow. Now, you know, look, look, I, I, look, I'm not, He's a good player. I think he's going to be good. I think the biggest. We just didn't need Holland right now, bro. And dude, there's tight ends in the next two classes that are really, really good. Like you got Weidermeyer coming out this year. Is Billingsley coming out? Uh, he, uh, I think he will. But yeah. um, there's like, good there's, there's guys coming out. Like, do we need Hunter Long? No. I, dude. I, I think the biggest miss for the Dolphins in the draft was not moving back up at the end of round two for Creed Humphrey. And, and and I think he's already a top three center in football. Well, you could have taken him over a leg of Meikenberg. Yeah, and, and they could have taken him. And, and honestly, for Greg Little, you would have got the same production anyway. And, and that's honestly what I thought when they traded up, they were doing was Creed Humphrey. And I literally I knew they were going for tackle because of tackle run. I think I know what they were helping on. You want my theory on this? So With Eikenberg? Yeah, this is what I don't think Eikenberg was their guy after Holland. I think they wanted Tevin Jenkins. And I think they were thinking because of, um, I don't know if you heard, but like apparently Tevin Jenkins, the interview process didn't go well as well as he had that combine. He had the combine check well, issue, right? And, and they, he, I think they thought he was going to legitimately drop to them. And then they saw what happened. Tevin Jenkins went and a couple of tackles went. And then there was Liam Eikenberg. And there was also, they had intel that the 49ers were high on Eikenberg. Well, look, and look, he struggled a lot. He's not good, bro. He's, not, and he's I know why he's not good. Like, there's there's flags. There should have been flags in their evaluation process. Look Let's at take this, off. Bro. I don't want to. Let's take off the dolphin glasses for a second here, bro. This guy was 302 pounds, six foot six, not very nimble feet. He relied on technique. He had T Rex arms legitimate t-rex arms okay and this guy wasn't athletic if you watch the tape he, especially when he's trying to go to the second level he was always caught lunging and you look at him and there was you look at the athletic profile that they drafted robert hahn austin jackson even michael dieter this guy did not fit that and the problem they now have themselves in is he doesn't have the arm length he doesn't have the athleticism to ever be on an island, let alone handle athletic speedy rushers that can arc around him. He doesn't have that, okay? And he never will, all right? He's purely technique. If he can't square you up, it's over for him. And he doesn't have the arms to hold you off until he can square you up, right? So you look at that. He's not very good at the second level, which all that stuff I've just mentioned does not, does not, that's the complete opposite of what Austin Jackson is now where he's much better than Austin Jackson is when he does square you up, his hand placement, his hand technique, his footwork is good, but 
you know, because he's been so trying to ca- play catch up, his base has been off. He's been off. His contacts balance has been crap. Like, dude, he went from not having a single sack allowed in what two years in Notre Dame to like he's already got like seven or eight allowed right now. The problem is that guy does not fit what they're doing, and now they backed him up into a corner and themselves where he is not a guard. Okay. He he he's got his limitations as a tackle, but when you're 302 and you're 6566, your body frame, you're slender. Yeah. You you can't take on interior guys. They're gonna throw you around, bro. And then here's the problem. Now you run into this problem, Neil. I've already told you why he can't handle speedy athletic rushers. What happens when he rushes into, oh, I don't know, a power rusher like Miles Garrett? They're just, you see what they're doing? They're just targeting his chest and driving through him. Like, did you see, um, it wasn't Ojolari. Who on the Giants? He's number, uh, was it 95 or 96? Was it Quinnen Williams? Or Leonard Williams, sorry? Leonard Williams is was it yeah. Leonard? What's number I Leonard Williams? I thought he was ninety nine. I, I I don't know. Yeah, okay, so it wasn't actually. You're right. It wasn't. It was like some random guy. It wasn't even like someone big for them. Let me look it up. Anyways, if you go look at um, you remember when Tua took that sack um near the goal line? Mm-hmm. Did you see Liam Eikenberg on that play? No, he was awful. But he got put on his ass, bro. Yeah. This guy's getting. My problem is you're getting put like you're legitimately getting put on your ass. Well, look, he multiple times a game, bro. Because he's he's not strong enough, dude. Yeah, he's not gonna be the left tackle next year. But like, no, the only thing I'm saying is you look at the the, get the offensive tackles after him, and it's you know because Tevin Jenkins hasn't played; he's been hurt because of the injury, right? But dude, when that guy plays, bro, that guy's you know, come on, that guy's he's got to get on the field. Can't help the club from the toe. But then you have Walker Little who for Jacksonville. Jackson Carmen for the Bengals, who they moved inside to guard. Dylan Radins from the Titans hasn't done anything. He, you know, oh, it's like, Quincy Roche. I'm an idiot. It's yeah, Roche. oh, the you, yeah, he had that big sack. It was like, him. But the offensive like, tackles, and then Jalen Mayfield from the Falcons around three years. He's so, a guard, though. He's not even a tackle right now, Mayfield. Yeah, so I, overall, like the 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 whole draft and offensive tackles outside of the top dogs, Slater and. P- Penesol has been bad, but yeah, I mean, look, he's. Have you watched Christian Darrisaw this year? I actually haven't. No, I, I thought he just got hurt again or something. He's been hurt a lot, man. I like him, but he gets hurt a lot. But you know, I, back to Waddle. I think Waddle, Michael Parsons, and Rashawn Slater are the best three players from this draft class. Um, so we'll see what happens. Him being such a uh, you know dynamic number one in an offense this early, you know, for those who are afraid that he was going to be Ted Ginn, I think he's already proven that this guy is going to be the guy. And then Jalen Phillips is uh, his surge here. The last few weeks, my boy, his out a film profile. study on this guy and he takes off, dude. Well, I, and I think his best play was when he freaking got um, a Butler free when he took out two guys and opened it for him to get the sack. But yeah. those back-to-back sacks were awesome. Eight and a half sacks and as a rookie with four games on the book, already got more than Chase Young had his whole his rookie season. I mean, if this guy ends up with twelve sacks, I mean, we're talking about a special season, and and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, soak these in these the Jalen Waddle, you know, record breaking season and the Jalen Phillips because this what we're seeing is really really special. And then last and not least, Javon Holland, and and I'll say this, I am still upset that we drafted a player the caliber of Minka Fitzpatrick and couldn't even get through his rookie contract without him wanting to go to Pittsburgh. And what we got in return from him ended up being Austin Jackson, which hurts even more. Yeah, I actually think because of his ability to hit that Javon Holland in two years is a better safety than Minka Fitzpatrick. And that, that's bold. And, and I know that the average football fans like, oh, listen to this idiot Dolphins fan, but you got to really think about it, right? You know, we know he's got the picks, the fumble recoveries. He can blitz. He's, he's a good tackler. He had a huge pass breakup this weekend. Uh, almost took a pick in the end zone. He, If Xavier Howard doesn't pick off the ball, he did. Javon Holland probably does. He's like a leader. He looks like a 15-year vet back there. I mean, his versatility shows up. He can cover. He's smart. He has great instincts. I, I, I think like what I, I'm just summarizing is Chris Greer, had the single best draft in 2021. And we can look at the 2020 draft and be like Austin Jackson and no egg monogamy suck. And, and you know, look, we're not, we're not there. They do. And they're not contributing. Um, Austin Jackson had a move from left tackle to guard and he's not a good guard. 
But I Tua, and we'll get into that more in a second, was the first pick. Brandon Jones in round three, right? Um, you know, that that was a good pick. Robert Hunt and Raquan Davis were good picks. Raquan Davis the last few weeks has been sensational. And the run defense has been awesome. Saquon Barkley looked like an average Joe. He looked like he had no chance. Some of those tackles. Um, and, and and real quick, shoot, uh, shout out to Andrew Van Ginkle, who's really started to play like his hair is on fire again. But overall, like, if you put Raquan Davis and Robert Hunt as the first-round picks and Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogas as the second-round picks, like, right, you know, it all looks a little bit better, right? So, I, I like, overall, Chris – Greer's done a phenomenal job at everything except the offensive line. So I, I, I think what they have, I, I think he's, I think both him and Flores have earned the right to keep their jobs now. I really do because you can't have the best class in last year's draft and get fired. Now they need help building this offensive line, and I don't know if that's Reggie McKenzie because he, he he did it well in Las Vegas, right? Or if it's Marvin Allen. But we need to figure out how to build this offensive line. But this draft class, man, I, I like reason. Let me ask you a question. Remember, five weeks we were all doom and gloom. I didn't look forward to any games. Could you have, like, I, I'm so disappointed that we have a bye this week because I don't get to watch the Dolphins. I am so excited when they're on to see Waddle, to see Holland, to see Phillips, to see Tua, to see X, to see these guys, man. Like, this is such a fun team. The foundation is here. And you know, the one perspective I think a lot of us need to have is we can't always just jump to the result. It can't be, oh, well, if they make the playoffs, they're good. If not, they suck. You got to enjoy the journey a little bit, man. And this season started off looking like one of the bis- biggest disappointments we've ever seen from the Miami Dolphins. And this game, this streak that we have, and, and you know, we have a really great opportunity to win six in a row ne- uh, next, next week uh, at home against the Jets. Um, it's special, man, and and you got to soak it and enjoy it. Like that's why, I, like, to the for the life of me, I don't understand how you win a game against the Giants when you're favored by eight and you win by eleven. So you did even better than Las Vegas expected you, and you jump on Twitter and you want to like bash your quarterback who just won you a game. I, I I just don't get it. And like, if I'm missing something, shoot me a tweet, send me a message, and please explain it to me because I I, I welcome other people's perspective. I'm not here to be right. I just don't get it, man. Like, like I remember people like being happy when Jay Feeler won. And we have a guy who's the most my game ball goes to is Tua Tungavaloa for many, many factors. First of all, the offensive line allows the most pressures in the NFL. Yet Tua's not number one for sacks. He's doing an amazing job of getting the ball out, eluding pressure. He has no running game. We have no running game. We have an RPO offense, but we have a PO offense because we don't have a running game. Yeah, we can't run the ball. We have average Joes at running back. We have a horrific offensive line, yet the Dolphins have won five games. And let's not talk about one of the the elephants in the room is that the wide receiver room outside of Jalen Waddle has been extremely disappointing. We're not even going to mention Will Fuller. He ain't coming back this year. He don't want to be here. And you know what? At this point, I don't even want him on the damn field. Let's roll with Parker. Let's roll with Mac Collins. Let's roll with the guys that have put the sweat equity to be a part of this team. Take your $10 million and move on. We'll find a replacement for you. I'm good. Good riddance. You don't want to be here? We don't want you then. Get out of here, man. Like It's such bogus mentality, man, and you don't want that selfish shit on your team. But what Tua is doing, right? Like We nitpick ball placement on every throw. His superpower is his accuracy. I don't know if there's a more accurate passer in the NFL right now than Tua Tungavaloa. He overcomes adversary, ad- adversity. What he had to go through this year, it crippled Josh Rosen, and it wasn't even close to as bad. You cannot take that away from him, how mentally tough this kid is, how battle-tested he is, how he's bounced back from injuries. He's clutch. He is as clutch as it gets. Mind you, the first game he ever played in college football, he won the national championship, right? Like, you can't get clutch. So if the ingredients for me are accuracy, adversity, and his clutchness, those are the traits I want in my quarterbacks. I honestly don't give a shit if he ever, ever throws 30 touchdowns in a season, if he wins me football games. Let's talk about a quarterback 
who calls a lot of games, and everyone thinks he's probably an awesome quarterback, Troy Aikman, right? You know, Troy Aikman only threw 165 touchdowns in his entire career, right? But he won three Super Bowl ranks. If I have that type of career from Tua Tungavaloa, like, that's the best player in franchise history if you get me three rings, man. Like, I, I don't know what you want from him because he's making chicken salad out of chicken ass. We tell you every week how bad the line is and everything like this. But what I get excited about most is that if I, not only do I think he's the franchise quarterback at this point, if they do what they should do in the offseason, and it's two very simple things on offense, build a wall, find a bell cow running back. If they do that, Tua Tungvaloa is a top 10 quarterback in football. Call me crazy. Send me receipts. Tell me I'm an idiot. I truly believe that the plays downfield will develop, that he is thriving in an environment that a lot of quarterbacks could not. Daniel Jeremiah said it very perfectly. He's like a blackjack dealer. The ball's coming out so quick, not out of want, but out of necessity. And with the odds stacked up against you, if Tua Tungvaloa wasn't a warrior, we would have folded. We'd be... Three and ten, and talking about who we're going to draft or why the 49ers have the better draft pick, and how we're stuck take, taking someone in the 20s because we made a trade, right? Like Tua is delivering. Um, you know, everyone looks at the stats. He had 244 yards and two touchdowns, right? Okay, that's a good NFL start. Well, let's not talk about as much as I give him a praise, I think Jalen Waddle dropped a pass that probably would have been like a 50 yard touchdown that slant over the middle. Mm -hmm. If not a touchdown, it's 25, 30 yards. Gesicki dropped a 15 yarder right in the middle. And then another 15 yarder that would have been a touchdown Tua had the 300 yard, three touchdown game. He really did. So I think it's time we start giving him more credit, man. What, What do you think? No, I think this is where I'm at with the credit. I think when I put things into perspective, before Matt Collins came here, he was a guy who couldn't stay healthy, and he was a definition of Mr. Irrelevant. Um, <clears throat> when Jacoby Brissett was running the offense, Jalen Waddle was on pace to be only the third rookie ever to have over 100 catches, yet less than 1,000 yards joining Keenan Allen and the way we were using him, ironically enough, Jarvis Landry. You look at the offensive line, look at the pressure numbers before Tua came back. You know, um, you look at it, too, as legitimately he's elevating a guy no one really talked about to now. For us Dolphin fans that watch the team day in and day out, he's a household name, Matt Collins. Um, A number six overall pick is now on pace to have a better season than Jamar Chase, which is what I thought he would if he was with two. Imagine if two never got hurt. Um, You know, when you really dive in um, to the effect Tua has had on Jalen Waddle. I mean, if if my numbers serve me correct, and I'm almost pretty certain they do, I believe um, Jalen Waddle, right? He was on pace. Um, you know, he was averaging about 42 and a half yards a game with Brissett, right? With Tua... He's averaging 75 and a half yards per game. Um, you know, if he had Tua, he would be all year. He would be easily on pace for over 1,150 yards. Like the sixth pick is looking like your sixth pick right now. You know, Tua, you know, 32nd, the offensive line, 32nd in pressures. Um, the offensive line ranked 32nd by PFF. Um, we are now, I don't know if you know this, Neil, but we're now 32nd in the league in drops. Um, we are 32nd, like I said earlier, in rush yards per game and rush yards per carry. And like you mentioned, somehow this guy is getting anointed the best RPO quarterback in the NFL, yet he has no running game. Um, and then you take that out. Look at, we run, people forget, People, I think people don't know how to watch football, but not every play is an RPO. We run play action as well. And look at how successful he is on RPO and play action with no running game. Like, it's actually freaking crazy. Um, You know, I, I think he's carrying this offense, but he's also doing what everyone wanted him to do, and he's 
elevating players around him. Um, and you look at the stretch. This is what really pisses me off. I'm hearing people, oh, well, you know, you remember, right, when we lost to Atlanta and Jacksonville, wins and losses, well, losses at least were a quarterback stat, right? Now that we've won five straight, they're no longer a quarterback stat. Defense. They don't have the narrative. Yeah, no. Even though he left the field against Atlanta and for the second week in a row, the defense gave up the game-winning touchdown before we could get to overtime, just saying. Anyways, and that was, you know, what pisses me off is people will say, oh, well, he lost, you know, we lost and Atlanta's a bad team. Or Carolina, we lost and they're not even 500 or whatever the case may be. Or the Giants, whatever. Well, let me push back a little bit here. We lost. Those guys are bad teams because of their offenses. They are not bad teams because of their defenses, all right? And I'm going to say this. With Giants, 17th passing defense. Dory Jackson, James, when he's healthy, James Bradbury. We saw what Aaron Robinson was doing. Xavier McKinney. They have good pieces in their secondary. Okay, Aziz Ojolari, I think he has six and a half sacks on the season right now. He's doing very well. Okay, Leonard Williams, they got they got some guys, not a lot, but the, and they play very good, disciplined football under the current coaching regime because they come from our our staff, our Dude. our tree, right? Okay, you look at the Panthers; they had the number six rushing defense and the number one passing defense. You look at the Falcons. The Falcons had the number 12 passing defense. He put up over 290 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. See, the thing is, people got to tell the whole narrative. Well, can I can I throw in one more thing? They freaking figured out Lamar Jackson, which no one else could do. No, but what I'm saying is, okay, it's listen, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is people are saying, oh, well, well, he's beating bad teams. No, 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 no. He's beating good, pa- good and middle-of-the-pack pass defenses – our defense is beating bad offenses and they're feasting off bad offenses as rightfully so as they should, because, Hey, we lost to the Jaguars. They weren't doing it early enough in the season. Okay. So we're starting to see the defense we wanted, but you know, but then they're beating good defenses. Like, uh, sorry, good offenses. Like you just mentioned the Ravens. So, but what I'm sitting here and saying is people are taking away credit from Tua and saying, well, they're beating bad teams. Well, no. Like, if you look at the pass defenses, he's actually beating legitimate. Like, Panthers were the number one pass defense in the NFL. Panthers were the number 12. You know, again, the Giants were number 17. Like, the, the Ravens were no slouch in, in defensively, right? Like, he's beating good teams. Like, and the goalposts, you know, I, I said this, you know, I know down in Florida, you know, it's summer all the time, but up here in Canada right now, the wheel the wheels are put in the the shed, and now the goalposts are on skates, and they're skating around the ice rink right now because it's ridiculous how it's moved. And let me let me ask you this: Are we not giving to enough credit for how much we're relying on him offensively, and how much he and Waddle or whoever his target of choice that game are carrying? this offense right now yeah we, we we talked about this when this team was one in seven and two we knew two was coming back and we all said that he had the chance to write the story right because the sean watson trade didn't happen because the dolphins were trying to write the story for tua trade didn't happen it's up to tua to write this story the trade deadline goes away and we see a more confident to a tongue of a loa cerebral to a tongue of Aloha. The chemistry assassin, bro. Yeah, the chemistry with Waddle is there. Devontae Parker's coming back. He's getting better every week. He's gotten rid of the stupid turnover that makes you scratch your head like, is this the guy? Yeah. He's a true leader. His team gravitates around him. Any one of those rumors that I heard about people not liking to on the Dolphins, like I don't know where they came from, but like I think this team loves him from what I see. You and, know what was going on? I told you what was going on. What was happening was the divide was starting because it was one in seven. The rats were starting to get off the ship, and the coaches and the players, there was divides going on. Yep. And look, winning solves a lot of those riddles. I mean, like, yeah, I, like two was doing exactly what he should do. I, I've been very critical in saying this. I want more touchdowns, but I also realize that what he is overcoming is substantial. 
I just mentioned Lamar Jackson, right? The Ravens offensive line's decimated with injuries, giving up a ton of pressures. Lamar Jackson's getting sacked more than ever because he holds the ball too long. The offense is inefficient. They haven't scored more than 20 points in six weeks. Like some quarterbacks completely unra- unravel when the things around them aren't what they're used to. Tua is making them look okay. Our offensive line has looked okay for three weeks. It's the same, it's the same usual suspects. But two is making them look better. Jalen Waddle, this quick offense. Defenses are getting frustrated because they can't stop it. And the th- my gripe is, why don't we see fourth quarter Dolphins offense through a, a four-quarter game? And then this team is, if, if we saw that reason, this team is dangerous. Like, I, I with the defense they have, they're the team that I, I, I like, you look at the AFC, right? The Chiefs, obviously a tough out with Patrick Mahomes, right? The Bills, they've had our number, right? I mean, other than that, man, like, I honestly, who am I missing that scares me to go play in a playoff game? It's not the Ravens. It's not the Browns. Not the Steelers. Not Justin Herbert and the Chargers. We beat them. I, 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 I just think that this team... And I know the team that we play week 17, a lot of people are going to say, I mean, look, we won in New England, 2-0 two two and oh against Bill Belichick, and that game would be intense, man. But, like, I don't know, man. I think Tua's doing a great job. He's writing the story. He's proving that he's a leader. He's. Proving- I think he's playing like a top 15 quarterback in the NFL right now. Oh, I mean, of course, I mean, like, it, you know, and I know we don't want to run too long, but, like, if you look around the league right now, I mean, he's playing every bit as good or better than Mac Jones. Every bit or as good as Josh Allen, honestly, the last few weeks. The Jets, I'm not even going to waste my time. There's no one close. Her- Herbert has been a unicorn. He's been amazing. Mahomes has been struggling, right? Mahomes has been struggling. I'm not saying two is better than him, but Mahomes has been struggling for a month. Yeah. I mean, Denver, I mean, they they don't have any quarterback. Derek Carr has been playing like garbage. You know, Ben Roethlisberger looks as done as done. Lamar has been awful. Baker's been horrible. Burrow's been okay, but a lot of turnovers. Uh, Carson Wentz just hands the ball to Jonathan Taylor. The Texans is abysmal. Trevor Lawrence has been one of the biggest disappointments that I've ever seen from a rookie that's come out that highly touted. And honestly, without Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill looks very, very pedestrian. So if you ask me honestly, right now he's playing as his top five quarterback in the AFC. And I only worry about the AFC because – that's where we're going to have to get through to get to where we want. And I'm not saying this team's going to even get to the playoffs, let alone win a Super Bowl. But I do think that the foundation is here with a couple tweaks. This team becomes extremely dangerous. Yeah, I agree. Um, So now moving forward, I guess, um, for Dolphin fans this weekend, just for everyone to know, because there is no game, obviously we'll be previewing, but the rooting guide, basically, we're going to be rooting for San Francisco over Cincinnati. We are, um, because, because that's interesting. Yeah. I think that's a, know, the draft pick. The draft pick. So yeah. either way, I think that's a great, that, that game. I, no, like, we want Cincinnati to lose. We want the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore, we're going to be rooting for them over Cleveland, obviously. I'm Tampa, worried about that one. Worried Tampa, about that one. Tampa Bay over Buffalo. Yeah, that happens. KC over Las Vegas. Yep, that happens. Uh, this ain't gonna happen. But Detroit over Denver. No chance. But I think ah, uh, you know what? I, I, dude, football's so weird. Um, Denver's defense is good, man. But like, they have good receivers. But Teddy Bridgewater can't facilitate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Minnesota over Pittsburgh. God, man, how bad are the Vikings? I, I, I they're so shoddy. Like Thielen goes, Thielen's out too. Yep, Steelers. And then we got to root. Now we got to root for the Giants over the Chargers. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen either. But like, look, look, if you get half of what you want, that's good because you know a couple. All like, you do is worry about yourself, win out, and whatever happens may happen. That's all you can do. Yeah, well, and, and the good news is like we have the Ravens, they play the Browns, and then they play the Steelers the week after. So a lot of these teams are going to beat each other up. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens, if, if you pull up the Ravens schedule, man, they play the Browns, the Steelers, they have the Rams and Packers, and then they play the Bengals again, man. I mean, they got a murderer's row of games. 
over the end of the season here. And Marlon Humphrey just went out for the season. Uh, Pat McCarry, their right tackle, is going to be out for the rest of the season too, I think. Like, yeah. dude, that team, I mean, they have 22 players on the IR right now. And both their starting quarters in Marcus Peter and Marlon Humphrey, Deshaun Elliott, their starting safety. I mean, their offense, I mean, dude, I don't know if you watched that game. TJ Watt just destroyed that line. Yeah, it's but, you know, the Balt I'll say this, though. Baltimore has a good team. They're well coached. So, like, you know, I'll never count them out. Um, but though that division is going to beat each other up for the rest of the year. Um, you know, what's another right now. My goal is right now. I want to be 500 heading into prime time because I think if Tua, if we head in, because I think the Saints have a decent defense. They're no slouches. Oh yeah. I think if Tua, if we can go into New Orleans, we were one and seven, seven and seven. People are going to be talking about the potential. If he delivers on in prime time and we come out of there eight and seven, I guarantee if you have doubts that some of the national narrative is changing night right now, which it is, all of it might be changed by that time. Well, and look, and the Saints games is a tough game as well. And I don't want to overlook any game because, you know, I, I think we're going to be. That's the, the game, though. But like, that's my like, I know everyone's talking about playoffs. That's my goal is eat up Zach Wilson in the Jets. And then I want to see I, I can't wait till December 27th. I want to head into seven and seven. I want to come out eight and seven. I want to hear what the national media says. And I want to see how the goalposts are going to move on all these different social media platforms from yep. all the haters. I mean, well, th that's my, my expectations right there, I think, are more realistic than the playoffs right now. Yeah. And, and honestly, man, like, I'm not even thinking about the playoffs right now. I'm obviously monitoring it. But, like, that, look, Sean Payton's a great coach. It's at New Orleans Stadium. We'll be rocking, you know, if they, if they don't lose another game in between now and then or two games between then. I mean, Alvin Kamara will be back and he's a great running back, but like, I mean, like, honestly, I don't, their, their, their quarterback situ situation does not scare me at all. Like I, I just think that, and I think the dolphins are risers. And what I mean by that is I think they're a team that once they get hungry, man, and they're on the prime time, like what we've lacked for years, man. And, and I said it earlier in this podcast is what I call the dog in them. Like we have that man, like, Christian Wilkins, Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, like Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle, they have the swagger, man. Like we haven't had players with swagger in a long time, let alone freaking half a dozen or more of them, right? Like this team, it, it, what I see from a chemistry standpoint is the most impressive thing. And we talk about Brian Flores potentially losing the locker room. Honestly, man, the one and seven start did the complete opposite. It brought this team together. Like, that is awesome. That's what you want from your team. Teams, and you know where it starts, man? It starts with your quarterback, right? The guy who's who's sitting there in the national media taking the brunt of your team looking for a new quarterback. You talk about adversity, right? Like, I'm telling you, man, there's a chemistry there. That's, that's what gets me excited most about this team. Then also that they're going to probably have 120 million in cap space and a treasure trove of draft picks over the next two years, like, and they have a franchise quarterback, so they don't have to give it all up for Deshaun Watson. Like, man, things are really, really good right now. Win lose, like, honestly, like, what they've already done to me is impressive. I mean, they're winning a couple more games. If they run this table, make the playoffs. I mean, man, we haven't had a lot of good seasons in the post Dan Marino year. I mean. You're talking about the best season maybe in 20 years for this team if if they run the table? Yeah. we. Uh, I think we've only won – I think our longest winning streaks in the 2000s is we've won six games in a row twice. Well, you know what, my, what I'm going to say, though, is the thing is it all sounds good in this perfect world. And if this team falls one game short of the playoffs, I'm not going to be jumping off the bridge because, you know, I, I, I think the loss against Jacksonville is going to come. It always seems like there's that one loss that comes back and stings you. Like last year, I think it was Denver for us, right? Yeah. And that just keeps you out of the playoffs. So I, I, I have to think losing to literally who I think is probably the second worst team in football or the third worst team in football, Houston Jets and them, will rear its head to hurt you down the road. Now, if they can overcome that, and win, like you know, like winning the game against Baltimore, a game they shouldn't probably have won if you looked at the schedule, right? Now, on playing the field, told a whole different story. But like, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how it plays out. But like, 
you know, I, I think enjoy it. Enjoy the winning. Um, you five game win streaks don't happen all the time. And, you know, win, lose, draw, playoffs or no playoffs. I mean, the future for this team is really, really bright. We took a we took a seven week speed bump and we, you know, we had to put some new tires on the car, but we're back on track, man. And and there's a lot to build on. You know, another good draft, some good free agency, fix this line. I mean, I, this team could come out, and honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they're one of the three best teams in the AFC next year. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out, man. Um, man, next week we'll be back, um, and we'll uh, be back to review to previewing a game at the end here. We didn't think this would run long, man. We're already at a, almost an hour five minutes, man. Um, right. I appreciate all our listeners who have been enjoying the podcast. Um yeah, Neil, um, a pleasure as always, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, man. Enjoy the weekend off, a little less stress. It's probably going to be good on all of our tickers to have a, a break, you know, yeah. to kind of charge batteries. Like, I like I actually, you know, I hate not watching my team play on bye week, but I really do enjoy kind of getting the dig into some other teams. Like, I'll, I'll probably have on, um, you know, a couple of the games. I'll, like, the Ravens-Browns game sounds like a good one. Um, the Bengals 49ers, I'll be tuned into that because – you know, I, I'm actually on the opposite end. I think I want the better draft pick because I just have no faith that the Bengals are going to win a bunch of games here at the end. I just think they're going to. I think they're going to lose a lot. I, I just, you know, I, I think talent wins, and I still think Zach Taylor is a as a C minus coach on his best day. But like, yeah, I'm excited for a little couch time. Maybe not like you know, like it, it hurts not knowing. But you know, I think it's really exciting knowing that we we our players are you know need this and. We're actually going to come out of this almost in full force outside of Will Fuller. And, you know, that that's good to see. We're going to be healthy. Um, you know, the, the, the players get a little bit of downtime. And, you know, they're going to get right back at it. Very winnable game. Rookie quarterback who likes to turn the ball over a lot. I mean, let's go out there. Let's go win these, one of these games when we come back. Let's win this Jets game by 30. Can we do one game where it's not like my heart has to like feel like it's beating out of my chest? Just one. Yeah, just one. <laughs> but no, man, until next week, definitely uh, have a good week. We appreciate everyone out there listening. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. And God, man, winning is fun. But enjoy the enjoy this draft class. Enjoy your quarterback getting better. And, you know, enjoy this defense because, man, I mean, just think about this. One thing I'll, I'll shut up before I shut up. We we've playing this well the last two weeks without Brandon Jones. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And Eric Rowe, cause Eric Rowe has been playing a little bit better than he was earlier right. on in the season. His snap count has gone up because of that, but man, always a pleasure, bro guys. We'll be back next week where we'll dive back in fin too deep until then everyone stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed fins up all day, every day. <laughs>